<laughs> I do believe uh, the Lord has spoken something in my heart today. I'd like to share it with you today. Um, my wife and I were in the car a couple of days ago, and per our usual routine, we um, usually take our car trips if we're going out to run an errand or doing something uh, together by ourselves. We usually take that time as an opportunity to talk and to kind of shit talk about some things that we're just catching up with some stuff because at home with kids and you're not always able to do that. And so we were talking about some things Friday and I know today in a normal situation, today being January the 3rd, we would probably uh, be speaking of the fact that today is the first Sunday of 2021. And like all New Year's, today would represent a new beginning. It would usher in hope for a better year. Usually, a new year, we have people who are happy to see the previous year go and some that are sad to see it go. 2021 is unique because I feel like all of us are really excited for 2020 to be gone. Um, and usually if we were in a normal circumstance um, and the events of um, Thursday would not have taken place, uh, instead of coming on here today with a sense of loss, we might be coming on here today to speak about future and hope for a better future in 2021. Even though, frankly, to be completely transparent with you, I don't know if we have a guarantee that 2021 will be better than 2020. We all hope, but we don't know. Because I said to you last January, hey, 2020 is going to be the worst or one of the worst years ever in history. You'd have gone, yeah, right. Thank you. Uh, so in reality, we don't know. We do know the one who does know. That old song that says... Um, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know the one, uh, something like that. I just choose to hold his hand. Like many things about tomorrow, I can't remember exactly the lyrics at this time. Not exactly in the best state of mind this morning. But the point I'm making is we don't really know. So in a normal sense, though, we would be sitting here celebrating 2021 and the hope of a new horizon. But there's two sides to 2020. And again, I'm not here to talk about 2020. I know we have discussed it and it's been pontificated at nauseum the last few weeks and over the course of last year. And I am in no way trying to go back and to try to quantify or to uh, poetically speak of a year that we are all so eagerly to put in our rearview mirror. But there are sort of two sides to 2020. There was a real, real side of 2020 of suffering because obviously 2020 uh, in the last three weeks, a month, about a month, uh, I personally, my wife and I personally have lost three very dear people to us. Um, 
about a month ago, well, one of my best friends from high school passed away suddenly at age 40. Uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was, we had word that a man that was extremely dear to my wife and I and was a very pivotal person in our life at a very difficult time, Dr. Jerry Smucker passed away from COVID and then obviously Thursday, the 31st, losing Brother Whaley. So there has been a lot of personal struggle 2020 and a lot of you the last month or so have dealt with COVID personally, whether it's your own body or someone you knew that has gotten COVID. And then there's still a lot of you that work in the medical field or other situations. We're still dealing with this. So I get all of that. And I am in no way disrespecting any of this by the statement that I'm about to make. I believe there is a reality to that. So I'm going to take all of the real, true aspects of 2020 and what it brought and understand all the legit pieces of that. But for just a moment, I'm going to put this, put that over here and understand that that's legit, but we've talked about that, we acknowledge that, and that is real. But for this moment, I'm going to put that over here and we're going to separate that out. Because there's another side to 2020 that was so difficult for so many, but when you look at it, it was a head-scratcher. Because for a lot of people, 2020 was bad because they had to wear a mask in public. Or 2020 was bad because they couldn't go to their favorite restaurant or, God forbid, couldn't go to the mall or couldn't go to their favorite hangout because 2020 has eliminated it. And again, I say that with all respect because I know there's people whose livelihood, businesses, uh, restaurant owners, waitresses, waiters... Uh, there are people in service industries. There's many people that financially have suffered because of that. And I, and I'm not speaking of any of that today. Please, please understand that. I'm in no way trying to take make light of or be offensive to anyone's true suffering. If All the true suffering of 2020, if you remember, we put it over here. But there's this other side where we, we struggle because there are things that we have grown accustomed to there are things we you know we couldn't travel for a lot of people like to travel traveling wasn't exactly the easiest and maybe your favorite vacation spot was was shuttered for a time or a place and maybe you couldn't travel because of restrictions either in the state you live in or the state you were going and the quarantine restrictions that were necessary for traveling going or traveling coming from i i that's the kind of stuff i'm speaking i'm speaking about all the things that we feel like made it so difficult but in reality we survived there's a lot of people that didn't survive and again once again i'm going to keep repeating myself because i don't want to have what i'm saying misinterpreted all the true suffering of 2020 we've acknowledged it's legit but we've put over here for a moment because my wife and i were discussing this on friday and she made a very profound point and it's true one thing that 2020 did was it really exposed Exposed something in, I would say, almost all of us. Maybe there's a few that don't live in this category, but it exposed something in all of us, and that's really what I want to discuss today. The Lord has laid on my heart to share with you today 
I want to read you a uh, a verse from the Bible, Proverbs chapter thirty. Um, Proverbs is a book that is uh, attributed mostly to the writing of King Solomon, um, being the author of Proverbs. However, if you would read Proverbs, instead of taking someone's word for it, you would realize that not every proverb was written by Solomon. And in uh, Proverbs chapter 30, there was a man by the name of Agur, A-G-U-R, uh, son of Jakey, or Jakeia, however you would like to pronounce it, who wrote Proverbs chapter 30. And he makes a statement in Proverbs chapter 30 that you can take many ways. Obviously, there's many different ways you can interpret it. There's many things you can draw from it. But it hit me again on Friday when my wife and I were discussing this. And... Uh, it's chapter, verse, chapter 30, verse 15, and this is the statement that Agur speaks of. He says, The leech has two daughters. Give and give. And there are three things that are never satisfied. Four never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth, that is not satisfied with water, and the fire never say enough. Now, I think there is some truth to the interpretation. If you want to take that interpretation of that verse, literally, I think there are some things you can draw from it from a literal standpoint about the grave, or the I believe the actual translation there is Sheol, which is... Uh, comes to represent hell. So I think there's some literal translations you can take from that and the fact that a barren womb and um, uh, the earth that is never satisfied with enough water and then ultimately fire that never says enough. Uh, there are some literal translations there you can take you know, as far as an absolute bringing that principles, bringing those principles straight into application. But I wonder if there was a deeper thing in all of this because if you read the context of um, Proverbs 30, it was a man who was this man, a girl. We don't really know anything about him. We don't really know any about his history. We don't know anywhere he come from. We just simply know his name was Agur, if I'm even pronouncing that right. Uh, the, the son of this man that we don't know anything about as well. But he's going through... Uh, all of this kind of putting pieces of he must have been in deep thought when he wrote this he must have been pondering things because uh, he really starts off with uh, verse number 2 he makes this statement he says surely I am more stupid than any man I guess I guarantee you didn't know the word stupid was in the Bible now, that's the new King James Version but uh, the word stupid is in the Bible. Surely I'm more stupid than any man and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name if you know? 
Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his word, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Renew falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. Do not malign a servant to his master. Let he curse you, be found, lest he curse you and be found guilty. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among them. Then he makes the statement, the leech has two daughters, give, give. And there's three things, yet four things that say there's never enough. And that is the grave, the womb, earth with water and fire. So there's this kind of pondering that this man is going through where he feels like he's trying to answer a deeper question. And, and I'm sure if given the opportunity, you could all, we all could give your opinion or our choice of exactly what he's trying to ponder. What is, what's the driving force behind here? But, I, but I'm wondering if maybe there's an underlying current to what he's trying to get to in his own life that really is speaking of to where we are in our current life. Because again, the thing that makes the Bible so powerful that even though it was a book written thousands of years ago that the last uh, page of Scripture was written 2,000 years ago, roughly, uh, about 2,000 years ago, uh, that even though it was a book written so long ago, it's a book that has such great relevance to us today. Because even though the Bible has some things that may or are antiquated, there are a lot of things that don't seem to match up with our current understanding of society or the societal norms that we're accustomed to. Um, and some people struggle with that because the Bible doesn't seem to match up with our modern thinking or way of doing things. But at the core, the Bible is about God who never changes and about humanity that has never changed. Because at the core, the reason why I can read the Word of God and still have an ability to apply it to my life is because at our core, human nature has been the same for thousands of years. We dress differently now. We have different technology. We have different understanding of science and, and engineering and and medicine and all these things that have advanced us so far in our current world, even to the world that our grandparents and our great-grandparents were accustomed to, we live in a vastly different world. My grandmother, who's in her early 90s, I've often sat with her and she shared with me what life was like for her as a little girl uh, growing up in a very poor area of rural Mississippi and I listened to her tell the stories of how the first time she ever ate in a restaurant was when she um, was with my grandfather that was the first time and by that point I she was I believe she was in her 20s I can't remember exactly how old but she I believe she was in her early 20s when she ate at the first restaurant um, she grew up in a very small shack with dirt floors and talked about going down to the river and washing her clothes with a washboard and, and uh, didn't have indoor plumbing, didn't have 
didn't have a lot of things uh, that was very bare bone basic. And I know some of you grew up in the similar situation, but I listened to that and, and now, you know, watching my grandmother use a cell phone in some way and sometimes attempt to use a cell phone um, and still at 90, uh, 90, in her early 90s, uh, she just passed her driver's test again to be legally able to drive. Heaven help us. Uh, but that being said, I watched how much life has changed for her in her 90 plus years. Staggering to think about that. So, in a sense, yes, we live in a very vastly different world in 2021 than Agur, a writer of Proverbs 30, lived in. But there is something that I think is unique to humanity that he addressed or is attempting to address for his own life that you and I, even in 2020 and 2021, are still trying to find the answer to. Because he makes this statement beginning in Verse 15, he says, The leech has two daughters, give and give. That with all, within all of us, there is something driving our current path of life. And I'm not just talking about for those of you that don't even know Jesus. I'm talking about for those who know Him and those who don't. It's still, I see similarities in both cases. And that is this, that ultimately we live empty more than we ever live full. Let me give you an example of this. I came across this and I find this to be quite staggering. The average American home has over 300,000 unique items. The average size of the American home has tripled in the past 50 years. One out of every ten Americans pay monthly rent on an off-site storage facility. 25% of Americans have two car garages um, and of, of, of the Americans, I, mean, I got mis, misquoted that. Of the Americans who have two car garages, 25% of those people who own two car garages cannot park a car in the garage. And only 32% can park at least one car. The United States has 50,000 plus storage units, more than five times the number of Starbucks. Currently, there is seven point, now this is staggering, 7.3 square feet of self-storage space for every man, woman, and child in the nation. Therefore, it is physically possible that every American could stand all at the same time under the total canopy of self-storage roofing. And each one of us has seven square feet of space to boot. Research has found that the average 10-year-old in America has 238 toys, but only plays with 12 daily. The average American woman has 30 outfits, one for every day of the month. In 1930, that figure was only nine. The average American family spends $1,700 annually on clothes, some obviously more, some 
obviously less. But while the average American throws away 65 pounds of clothes annually, our homes have more television sets than people. And those television sets are turned on, turned on more than one-third of a day to an average of 8 hours and 14 minutes. Reports indicate that we consume twice as many material goods today as we did 50 years ago. Currently, there are 12% of the world's population that lives in North America and Western Europe and account for 60% of private consumption spending, while one-third of all the people on Earth live in South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa and only account for 3.2% of spending. Americans spend, I'm not trying to lament America, I'm trying to make a point. Americans spend more on shoes, jewelry, and watches, $100 billion, than we do on higher education every year. Shopping malls outnumber high schools. Americans spend $1.2 trillion annually on non-essential goods, in other words, items that they don't need. The $8 billion home organization industry has more than doubled since the early 2000s, growing at a staggering rate of 10% each year. I'm not saying to get onto this to beat the bandwagon of America and what's wrong with America. I'm making a point. Why is this the case? Why is this the case? You see, because it's amazing even though most of us say we don't buy into the lie, we do. Because in the end, actions speak loud of the words. Even though most of us know or believe, you know, money can't buy happiness, or this can't satisfy this, or this is can't satisfy that. If it really, really, really believe that, then the statistics don't bear that out. But... On the other side, if it truly is the path to happiness, then we should be, by default, based off strictly the raw measurement of numbers, we should be the happiest place on earth. Disneyland and Disney World should not have that title. The United States of America should be the happiest place on earth because it is the place where we can spend $100 billion a year on watches and jewelry. That we can have 50,000 facilities for self-storage because we have so much stuff we've run out of room in our own home that we therefore have to add to others. And I'm not knocking that because up until just recently, my wife and I had one for many reasons. I'm not speaking to you. If you have a self-storage, something's wrong with you. I put myself in that category. I made all that statement to say that what is really going on, and we go back to 2020 and we couldn't do a lot of things we wanted to do and it was so dissatisfying to us and so frustrating to us because we had to stay home and we couldn't go out and we couldn't go shopping and we couldn't go do this and have this and go on that vacation and it just drove us nuts. Why? Because we are so empty inside. And even though we all know and we say that we know and understand that you can't fill that with anything, 
But we look at our life, and I'm not talking about those who don't know anything about Jesus. I'm talking about people who confess to know God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I watch them spend so much of their effort consuming life on themselves when we're supposed to be filled with Jesus Christ, but yet we are filled with so much stuff. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read our Bible. We don't have time to do this. We don't have time to do that. Yes, some of us work very exhausting schedules, but there's a lot of stuff. If if quarantine taught us anything, it taught us the fact we have a lot of fluff in our schedule. There's a lot of time that we found we were just sitting around twiddling our thumbs because there wasn't anything on television that was new. There was no sports, God forbid. And I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a huge, I'm not knocking sports, I am. Tonight, the team that I choose to root for, even though sometimes it's been difficult, is going up against the Philadelphia Eagles for the chance to go to the playoffs. And that's a big deal if you're a Washington football fan because it doesn't happen very often. But we had no sports, we had no this, and so we were like, what do we do, what do we do? Shouldn't that have shown that we have so much fluff in our schedule yet when you ask somebody about their life, well, I don't have time for this and I don't have time for that. This is busy. I'm busy, busy, busy. And you look at this from God's perspective and He's looking down and He's going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You say you need me and you want all of me, but yet there's no room left for me. You say, well, that's not the case. Well, you know what? I just showed you some very raw statistics to say that this country, more than any country in the world, is consumed with trying to fill a void. And here's the problem. Just like Proverbs 30 tells us, the problem with more is it's never enough. More only gives you the desire for more because Jesus sat down with a woman in John chapter 4 at the well and He said to her, if you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again and again and again as much as we enjoyed Thanksgiving and as much as we enjoyed Christmas and hopefully you did both of those safely within the context of COVID and all those things but as much as you maybe had taken in and consumed as much food as you possibly could eat to the point of maybe even making yourself a little sick because you had so much food here's the point about it today you're going to be hungry again In about an hour or two, you're going to eat lunch or an early dinner. You had some kind of breakfast this morning. The remnants of my breakfast are still sitting on this table because I was hungry today. It didn't matter the fact that I had already eaten several days ago or had a big Thanksgiving meal that my wife so wonderfully prepared or Christmas dinner with my family uh, and and, and immediate family, in case you're wondering. We did not have a big shindig because of COVID, but had family dinner at Christmas and was wonderful and we ate until we couldn't eat anymore. In the end, guess what? I'm still hungry because you're never satisfied because your body needs more and more. It's the same thing. But then there's this other side I think is the case as well because Jesus tells us in John chapter 11, He says that when a spirit departs, it comes back. And if it finds the house empty, swept, and garnished, it not only comes back, but it brings seven of its closest friends and they all uh, hang out. 
And I find that there's two things that are at work here. There's this first thing that, that there are people that are searching for something because John chapter 7 says that out of your innermost being, there's an empty space in all of us shall flow rivers of living water. God is trying, when you say you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, you bring Jesus Christ into your life. What does that mean? Is that just a metaphorical way of trying to bring something into existence? No, what that means is, is that Jesus Christ desires to come and fill the empty places. That's why the first step that we must all partake of when coming to Christ is repentance. Repentance and forgiveness is a pouring out to empty out so that we can be filled in with Christ. I want there to be ample amount of room for all of Jesus. But the great part about Jesus is not only does he fill in you, but he puts so much in you that it comes out of you. Because John chapter 7 says, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Meaning he doesn't just fill you, but he fills you so much that it actually spills out of you. Because that empty place that it's desiring, like Proverbs 30, that's desiring to be filled, Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. But he went on to say to that, to that woman, if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. And actually the Greek there does it, gives us a bigger description of what the translation says in the Bible. And it literally translates out to this. If you drink of the water that I give you, you will never thirst for this world again. You'll never have thirst again for this world. So Jesus understood, God understood the fact that we are a creature designed to fill, to, to feel empty. But He doesn't desire to leave us empty. He desires that we would be filled. Not just filled for a moment, but be filled so we can be satisfied. So the things of this world don't consume us or we're not consumed by them. Most of us are trying to spend our time to work so that we can either acquire more things or to make enough money so we can retire. And I'm not against retiring. I hope all of you get to retire and enjoy the fruits of your labor. There's nothing against that. I'm not speaking of that. But we give so much of our life to be able to come to something that when you find people who retire, they retire. And when that part of them is gone, they feel so empty. Because when they get to retirement, so many don't realize what they got to and they work for 30 or 40 years to get to. It's not all that it's cracked up to be. And it's amazing how many retirees go back to work. Why? Because we're trying to fill. But here's the other side of it. That's one side. There's a second side to this. And, and, and this is for those of you that confess to be believers. And these are those of you that confess to love Jesus and you're, you're trying to walk with Him and give your life to Him. Here's the other side to that. John 11, uh, Luke 11 tells us, you know, that the Spirit comes back, finds an empty, swept in garbage. I found that for most of us, including myself, that God showed me this over the last couple of years in my own life. I spend more try time trying to focus on, on what to get out than I do focusing on what to get in. I spend more time trying to make sure that I don't have sin or unforgiveness or bitterness or all those bad things that we think are so bad. I spend so much time trying to make sure that I'm empty that I don't spend enough time focusing on being filled. Because here's the power of being filled. Is you see, if I'm filled, and I've got this bottle here, I wasn't going to use it and it's not prepared to be used, but I'll just use it 
as example. This bottle is designed, according to the packaging here, to hold 16.9 fluid ounces. Here's the problem. I drank a little bit of this before we came on here today. I've got, it's, you can't see it there on the screen, but it's about, the, the liquid is about down to this level right here. So it's about halfway down the label here. So that means this bottle now has enough space for me to pour whatever I want into it and it could say so I could pour more of the same uh, liquid um, into it or I could choose to pour anything I, I've got a bottle of hand sanitizer right next to it I could pour that into it I could go outside and get dirt I could choose any substance I wanted to pour into this bottle because there's space left in this bottle because it's been emptied out here's the problem we say well I don't I don't have this and I don't have this and I don't do that and I don't go here and I don't do this and I've stopped doing this and I don't listen to this and I don't watch that great you're empty but are you full that's the danger. That's what religion... Religion wants you to be empty and not do X, Y, Z. Religion's all about don't do this, don't go there. Here's this, here's that. And yes, are there things about walking with Jesus that you don't do? Yes, you don't do them. But the reason why you don't do them is not because you're abstaining from them. The reason why you don't do them is not because you're abstaining. The reason why you shouldn't do them is because there's no room in your life for them. Woo, man. Somebody just needs to turn on the revelation light because your light, I just felt the, the light of revelation just light, just light in somebody. The reason why we shouldn't do things is not because we should abstain from them, even though the Bible does say abstain from evil. I get all that. But the reason why those things should not have effect on life is not because we choose not to do them. It's because there's no room in our life for them. You see the difference? Religion wants to say, here are, the, here are the 50 things you shouldn't do. And we spend our life going, okay, all right, what am I not supposed to do? Oh, number 48. Oh, thou shalt not do this. Okay, I can't do this. I can't do that. And you know what's funny? The Bible says there's peace and joy and happiness with Jesus. But when you're practicing religion and it's just a list of stuff, it's like, mm, ugh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Oh, it's great. Living for God is so wonderful. This is brutal. It's horrible. Save yourself. Don't come to Jesus, because if you come to Jesus, I'm just going to tell you, here's all the things you can't do. That's not what this is about. But when I get so full of Him, when He's in me to the point where He's flowing out of me because i got so much of Him, it just can't help but spill out. There's no room left in me for anything else. There's no room left. So for those of you today that are empty, Jesus can fill you. But for those of you that claim to be uh, disciples of Jesus Christ and walk with Jesus Christ, that say, hey, you know what? Oh, look, I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't go there. You need to be careful because you might be just as empty as the person today that is way off in the distance away from God. You might be just as empty. You just might be different in your emptiness, but it's the same type of emptiness. You say, well, no, it's not the case. Well, you know what? I just read. There's many more. Uh, I could have gone down the list more. There's more information there. I chose not to just continue to make the point heavily. But the bottom line is the, the, the statistics played out. We are America. The red, white, and blue. The land of opportunity. The American dream. A place you can come with nothing and make Everything you can, ra you can, you can pull yourself out of the ashes of poverty and 
walk yourself into the streets of opportunity. All the wonderful things, you know. Bring me your tired, your weary, your worn, yearning to be free. I, all that's okay, great. But when you get that and you realize it's not enough, then what? If you get that new promotion, if you get that new house, if you get that new car, if you get that, if you get that, and you realize it's not enough, and you go more and more and more and more and more and more. If anybody should be happy, it's this country. If anybody should be at peace, it's this country. If anybody should say, you know what, we've got enough. You know what, and man, tell you what, these companies are brilliant at making you feel like you're empty. You gotta have this latest gadget. You gotta have this latest product. If you got last year's edition, not only is it out of date, but it's not even cool anymore. It's it's so yesterday's news. You gotta have today. I was laughing the other day with my wife. I was looking at my wardrobe and realized, man, I got some stuff that's been around a long time. I'm still wearing some stuff that I wore a long time ago. And yes, there is a standpoint where, hey, you know what? Even if it's out of style, just wait along for a while, honey. It's going to come back into style eventually. All of you that threw all your 80s garb away, you could sell all that stuff right now because everybody's wearing 80s attire again. Bell bottoms were coming back. I mean, come on. I mean, it seems like fashion brings a circle. But one reason why is because if you're a clothing company and you've got to sell clothes this year to the same amount you sell last year, the only way I can get you to buy more clothes is i got to make the stuff you're wearing old, no good, out of date, not cool. Because i got to get you to buy more. And so we've been sucked into this economy. I saw a graph, and I was going to put it on screen, but I couldn't find it today. But I saw a graph that represented spending, household spending on non-essential goods, not food, water, clothes, no, non-essential spending. And it was from 1950 to, to currently today. And it showed a trend pre-1950 and it was, it was climbing sort of relatively on a, on a slow, gentle ascent. But in after 1950s, I mean, that thing took off. It was like the graph just went straight up. And continues to rise even so more today. And look at all that. And, and, and knowing that I wish I could tell you today that I, I haven't been a part of that. I'm the same way. I, I, I'm, I'm someone who's driven to get the latest and the greatest in technology. I love having the newest gadget. I love gadgets and technology and things of that nature. And uh, I, I'm not knocking anybody who does that. Because if I'm knocking you, I'm knocking me. My point all of that is this. It's all pointing back to something very fundamental, and that is, I think we're more empty than we want to choose to acknowledge. And I'm not just talking about those of you that may be watching and you don't know Jesus at all. I'm talking about those that profess to know him, that have given your life to him, that say that you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that you are empty. You're empty. You're empty. The reality of it is, and let's take all this stuff from 2020. Remember, we put it all over here. Let's bring it back on the table if we can. The reality of it is that there's a lot of abruptness. Somewhere today, uh, statistically, 350,000 plus Americans have passed away because of COVID. 
um, whatever your opinion on that number is statistically. I can only speak from my experience. Um, I've known way too many people at this point who've passed away from COVID to dismiss those numbers. So that being said, the reality of it is when all this is done, I say this, and I know this is a very sensitive thing to say, so please don't take it with a sense of insensitivity. I mean this as a way to bring perspective. If you or your loved one was or is or is in ICU today because of COVID, how much of those 300,000 items that maybe are in your home or all the things listed really matter? Because in the end, when we all, the Bible says, it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. When it's all said and done, the only thing that really matters is not what you tried to stuff in to this emptiness. It's what was the true essence of what is into this. I wonder, and I finish with this thought. There's a lot of theory, speculation, whatever you want to use, on exactly how the day of judgment will play out. The Bible gives us some clues, but we don't know exactly specifically how it will be done. But let's say for argument's sake that all of us, because in God's mind, all men are created equal. I don't believe that's just the sentiment of our country. I believe that is the design of our Heavenly Father that all men are created equal. I wonder if God looks down at us and says, okay, I've given you 16.9 ounces to be full with. And I wonder when we get to heaven and we stand before the judgment and God says, okay, pour it out. Pour out what? I want you to pour out that container you have. What container? I want you to pour out that empty place that you have in you. Why? Well, you'll see. I wonder if there will be a, a cup or a container with a, with a line. And that line represents 16.9 ounces. And God says to you, okay, pour it out. Let's see what you got. And you pour out your liquid. And God says... Let's see how full you really were. Because so many times, I, I did this a couple weeks ago, so many times you hear in the statement of the New Testament church, Peter and Paul and all these guys who were so instrumental in this found, founding of the, of the uh, early church, it would make the statement, they were full of the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost. I wonder if I poured out my heart today of all the contents that belong to Jesus Christ, would I get to that 16.9 inch line or as we pulled it out would you go yep yep Joel you got a little bit of that needs to come out and that comes down. but God I need that because if I don't have that I can't get to the next 16.9 but he said you know what that stuff doesn't belong here stuff doesn't belong in your heart I wanted all of you not some of you not a little bit of you I wanted all of you because I didn't die for a quarter I didn't die for a half 
I didn't die for three quarters. I died for all of you. I want all of you. And I want to fill all of you. Maybe as you approach 2021 and you're facing the questions of what 2021 means to you and maybe the promise of a better future, a better year, or whatever else you want to hold on to, and none of that's wrong. I'm not simply saying you should walk around with your head down. Maybe in your quest for 2021 and a better year shouldn't be what you can do or where you can go or what you can buy or the freedoms or the normalcy that may or may not be returned to us in 2021. Maybe you can be 2021 is going to be the year that I'm going to get full, stay full, and live full. That I'm going to empty out all the stuff that's consumed me and I'm going to get full of Jesus and every day I'm going to make sure I stay full. In the temple there was this lampstand the lampstand was represented of the spirit it lit the holy the holy place the the yeah, the holiest of holies the holy place this lampstand was in the holy place and it was it came up and it, it came up and it had flames that were always on they were always lit there was a job that a priest had and his job was simply this every day he was supposed to go and to make sure that the lamp was completely full of oil that it never ran dry and that oil would continually replenish the fire and the fire would never go out 24-7, 365 make sure that that oil was always full You and I are the living examples of the light that was in the tabernacle. We have become that light through the power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But yet too many of us, our light is going out or barely flickering because we're low on oil because we don't stay topped off every day. You might get a Sunday dose. You might get a weekly dose during the middle of the week. You might get one every month, but it's not good enough to have it. The Bible says new mercies every day. Every day I've got to acknowledge today, God, I want to be filled because the moment I get any kind of emptiness, something is going to come and try to fill that space. So maybe in 2021, you need to start off by emptying so that you can get filled, but not just get filled, stay filled. Instead of focusing on 2021 as a believer on what not to do, focus on being filled. And if you're filled, then what you don't do is not a big deal because you have no room left in your life for those things. Just a thought. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. This is a very difficult day for so many of us. And Lord, we are trusting and relying upon your grace today. So Father, I ask that by your grace and mercy that you would help us. We're searching. We're looking. We need answers. We need you. But God, you've given us all the answers we need in your word. Your word is clear. Your word is true. Your word is right. It hasn't changed. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Father, I pray that your word would open up our hearts and minds that we could see and hear and understand that you are the answer. But not some of you, not a little bit of you, but all of you. Forgive us for our desire to consume on other things other than you. And if we have things in our lives that don't belong, we pray, Lord, that you would empty them out so that we can have more of you, all of you, overflowing. 
We speak these things right now. Make yourself real and known, Jesus, right now to those that are watching and those that will watch, that as they close their eyes and they pray, that you would become real to them wherever they are. That you are true, you are right, you are just. That you are desiring to fill us. But not only to fill us one time, but that we can live filled, satisfied, content through your Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Uh, The Lord bless you. God love you very much.